Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. We have uh, a new guest. His name's Kurt Whitesell, and he is the owner of WKRP Indie Real Estate Professionals. Been doing that for 13 years. He's also a franchise owner of Greek's Pizza, and uh, he's the owner of The Social Agent, as well as multiple other experiences uh, along his career. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kyle, for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. So I, I just shared a kind of a, a little bit of a bio about yourself, um, but kind of can you tell me a little bit about your path that kind of what led you here today with kind of all of your experience? So yeah, I mean, we, I, my main business, I own a real estate company, WKRP Indy. Uh, we specialize in uh, primarily commercial real estate along State Road 32 in Westfield. Um, I'm a niche guy. Uh, we started actually in 2008 was when I truly started my company. So I have the gift of timing. Um, but it was, it was all by, everything's been by accident. So you may learn over the next few minutes that none of this is really intentional. It's all scrambling, stick and move and, and make it happen kind of stuff. But, um, it's worked out. I think I have the gift of, uh, of relentlessness and hustle. So, um, I have a, my background, I've got, uh, I, I thought I was going to be in the restaurant industry my entire life. I've, Started pretty young in restaurants and moved my way up. Didn't go to college uh, for that for that reason. I knew I could move up in restaurants. And when I was about 21, I realized, or uh, 22, I realized that uh, I wasn't going to move all the way up in restaurants, and it wasn't for me. And I got uh, kind of recruited by a guy that owned a bunch of real estate to go manage his real estate. I had started a company, a detailing company. <laughs> so I started the detailing company, and on the first, I hope he's not watching. This, I partnered with a guy. It's called Edley Detail. On opening day, he had a nervous breakdown and never saw him again. And so that was that was a great example of my business experiences. Um, so so I figured it out. I started washing cars and did pretty good. And then a guy called me um, and said, "Hey, I got a bunch of real estate. Um, I need your help with it." And literally, this is oversimplifying it. Uh, I got a stack of keys, a uh, credit card, and a vehicle. And just said, go to work kind of thing. And I spent I don't know, four years, four or five years doing that. And I got a, a master's degree in real estate doing that. It was awesome. He had one of everything. I, had, I didn't know enough to not know what to do kind of thing. And, um, we had a blast. We spent a lot of time learning about real estate. And so that's where I kind of got the bug of it. And in 2008, seven, eight kind of thing, they had been talking about the recession and these are their real estate was their second business and they decided to shut it down. And so I was, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was part of the shut it down. And, uh, Yeah, so I uh, went and got into real estate. I didn't know any different. And so I started uh, my company, kind of started my company. I 
I picked an office that was outside of my neighborhood because my, I didn't have a car because that was a company car. So I could walk to my office. I went and bartended at Wolfie's on the water at night. And to this day, some of my regulars are some of my best referrals in real estate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I say it was, uh, a lot of people think it was intentional, but one of the reasons I would only list property on State Road 32 in Westfield is because I couldn't get there. Uh, if I had to ride my bike to it, uh, because I didn't have a car, I was broke. Two little kids at home, a two-year-old and a zero-year-old. And so that's how WKRP started. And that's what got me into real estate. That's a great story. Yeah. And so several years from there, uh, of that very hard year, that's a very, very hard year, terrible years. We went broke, um, but we worked hard. And I've got a very supportive wife and kids and parents. And my parents moved to Indy around that time. And so it was awesome having them around for that. And uh, so we all kind of scrambled and figured it out, got going. So it turned out great. Wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> that's, that's not true. That's There's awesome. so many easier ways. <laughs> that's great. I mean, yeah. So that was, you just got 20 years. You got 20 years and 20 seconds there. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, when you t- when you think about like uh, w- WKRP, like what what problem are you solving? You know, how are you different from the other real estate you know companies out there? What's specific to to who you guys are? So one of the so when I started, I didn't um, I would have sold anything, and I still sell anything. But I thought everybody could go sell everything, and then I got in this world where first of all. There weren't at the lowest time in re- residential realtors. There was still too much competition. So in 2008, here I am doing cold calls in the phone book, literally Z to A, in a suit, thinking someone's going to talk about real estate. Well, there are still too many realtors in a dead market. You know, when at the lowest number of realtors, and so and my passion was definitely in commercial. So I was glad to get back to that when it came back because there was no commercial business at that time. When I got into commercial, back into it, I realized that there was a shortage of experts in local markets. Uh, there's a lot of brokers out there that are experts in a certain product, but there were not experts in certain markets. And luckily, I'd been forced to become a State Road 32 guy. Um, so I just applied that to my niche and my. I decided early on, you know, there wasn't any of that, so I was going to spend my slow years coming the know-all of Westfield land. Um, and so that's that's come to be a huge asset for me. So I, um, I know a million commercial brokers that do industrial. And they'll do a deal anywhere in the state, and they make lots of money. But they spend this large amount of their time getting acclimated to an area or learning a market or learning where the available properties are. And by becoming very niche and very tight, I'm actually the resource for a lot of commercial brokers. So while they're out building these relationships for buyer clients and tenants and developers, I'm sitting with the listing, the sign on the farm ground that they can't find. And so I re- that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the land guy that they needed and... So my goal was to meet farmers and landowners and specialize in that and just become a really good resource locally. I'm no good in 
in literally south of 146th Street, um, not your guy. And every once in a while, I'll do a deal there, and I see what I was avoiding. It was having to learn a market or having to learn who the players are in an area or the zoning. And so I think I'm very high value as a Westfield broker and just so happens to be the highest growth spot and a very good place to work. Oh, that makes tons of sense. That's very cool. And like within, just, just to give a ballpark here, as far as me understanding that, you know, the, the industry a bit further, what percentage would you feel like uh, would be brokers that would have that specialty within an area? Like how rare is that, I guess, is what I'm trying to understand. So I think a lot of them will say they're a regional broker. Like there's a lot of people that say they do downtown office space. To say that there's a lot of them that actually do it is probably, it's a rarity. You know, there's a, it's more of a product or a, a use type. So there's retail brokers, there's industrial brokers, there's office brokers, but very rarely are they driven by uh, a region, area. It, a lot of us just so happen to be very busy in Carmel or Westfield because we live there or our office is there. But very rarely does someone say, I'm going to become the commercial guy in Fishers. I'm a, I'm a very weird, strange uh, commercial broker. If in, in the commercial broker world, that, that doesn't exist very often. Okay, that's good. But there's there's definite value to it there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have, I, I'll get a broker, you know, every day at least, I get a broker that says, hey, you're the Westfield guy. I have a dentist looking for this space. And because I'm so tight in an area, I know everything that's off market. And so that's, they see me as that resource. I can bring them more than they're just going to find online. And so they may not do it a lot, but they know I'm doing it. And so they utilize it as much as possible. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Like how have things for, within the industry changed over the past five years, five to 10 years? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a big question. But like when you think about when you started in 2008, how have things shifted for you guys? So a lot of it, you know, every industry was really affected by technology and things like that. And I still feel like commercial real estate and development it has, is not driven much by technology in the Midwest, in Indianapolis area. Um, definitely slow to adapt to that. What has, um, I do think a lot of our customers, so like investors, I think they appreciate a lot of the information that's out there. But... Um, that has not changed. What has changed probably the most is values and the number of people, the number of developers out there. We have more developers than ever. Everybody became a developer in the last five years or five years before COVID. Cheap money, right price properties, tons of opportunity. And so everybody became a developer. And so we went from where there were really good developers, the names you know forever, Duke, Louth, you know, those guys, to now anybody that was a general contractor or anybody that had a little a down payment as a realtor became a developer. And now we've gone back to where it's hard to be a developer again. So my customer base, the people that I think could be buyers, has gone back to the, the true experts. And so just everybody. I mean, literally, everybody became a developer. Everybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're not. I mean, I, I, you and I could go have coffee in 2015. We go have coffee, pick a site, call any bank, put it up for lease. Somebody's going to lease it, and the numbers work. Um, and that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, so that's what to me. That's what changes is the the oper- the the competition for development changes. Okay, okay, that's helpful. So you talked about this earlier on, but like kind of you know starting out in the restaurant business, thinking that you were going to kind of like land there. What kind of made you jump into the we would call it like the savage savagery of uh, entrepreneurship, but just like having that savage type of mindset where you have to go out, start your business, you know, kind of, you know, grit, perseverance, all those types of things. Like what was kind of the the factors that help you decide, make that decision for yourself? I went broke. I, I, to this day, Cal, can remember sitting in my little cubicle of the office I was overpaid for and thinking, I don't have any customers. And I had this ding in my head that I have to go get the customers. And I'd never, I'd never had a, you know, I had my car detail thing, but I was young and I didn't need any money. So making money wasn't hard or enough money was not hard. So this was the first time I really needed to make money. And I'm 30, I have two kids. Um, I'd made pretty good money before that. And so literally it was desperation that made me realize what an entrepreneur is and I'm not working for somebody anymore. Um, over the next couple of years, I hate, I honestly hated my situation I was in at the time. I was pretty down. It was hard. Um, but over the next couple of years, I realized all of a sudden that I could do it. First of all, that I was capable of it and it became kind of fun. And then it became, I realized that I'm not a salesperson. I'm just a nice, trustworthy business guy. And so that kind of worked to my favor as an entrepreneur that I'm, I'm a really hard worker. Nobody's ever not going to trust me. You know, I'm, I'm going to have good relationships. And I think that's a lot of entrepreneurship is, is maintaining relationships, not burning bridges, and just being a good business person. And so I had that inside of me already. And so if I just hustled because I have no other choice, I can't go wrong, right? It's just going to take a little longer. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, the definition of I, there was no high growth in anything I've ever done because I'm not a sales guy. Yeah, that, that's what triggered me. It was desperation, but then the confidence of seeing it work is what made me realize that I can do this and I love it. And so then as soon as I got comfortable with that, I've always looked for new opportunities. And I think that's... That's the other thing is I don't think a lot of people look for opportunities. I think when you're an entrepreneur or whatever, self-employed, you always have to be looking for other ways to lose it or make it with and be willing to take some risk. And, you know, I always joke, I'm not afraid of going to zero. I think, I don't think a lot of people have gone to zero and so I'm I'm not afraid to go to zero. Zero. See, I've been there, man. (laughs) I've been below zero and, I can do it. <laughs> so, so I'm not afraid <laughs> and you that. survived, you know, I survived and I kept yeah. my wife and kids and, you know, most of my stuff. So, um, yeah, it's those times I think that build your mentality that you can do this stuff. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you tried it out after kind of the desperation moment, but then after that, you actually saw the, you know, kind of the fruit of grinding, you know, and kind of being true to yourself, who you were, like not the salesperson, but just a good person providing good, solid business advice, practice, et cetera, et cetera. And that means something. There's legitimate value to that. There is. And I could sleep at night. And I don't, you know, I'm not a, my sales process is I won't convince anybody. I've never thought I could convince, change someone's mind on something they don't believe in. And so I accepted that real early on. I think a lot of sales people, they're trained to convince or to, you know, find that pain point and just keep countering it, right? And eventually they're going to succumb and become your client. And I've never had that mindset. It's just work hard, do good stuff, and it comes to you. And that's, I think that's what most good entrepreneurs do. I really do. That's great. I think that's good sage advice to, to plug the, the title of the podcast there. So thanks for that, Kurt. You're welcome. That's all I got. That's my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, so biggest um, personal professional test uh, that has become a great teacher to you. I mean, you talked about that kind of like, hey, I've been to, to zero and I'm not afraid of it. And um, it's something that I've embraced. Um, but has there been anything else besides that that you feel like has been just a big test that has become a teacher for you? Um, I just, I think my business in general, the real estate business is a test. Because you start over every single day. Every close, we have no repeat business in a, in a true sales sense. Like at the pizza place I own, people come back. They love our pizza. They come back. They like our beer selection, whatever it is. They come back. In real estate, they come back, but it's years. Or it's, um, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, and they're not doing the same thing over and over again. They're not coming back because you have that same product available to them. They're coming back and then, but you're starting over on the education every single day of your customers. And you're starting over looking for a new opportunity, a new piece of property to share with your circle. And so to me, once I realized I was doing that, or that's what I had to do, that was a big deal for my business. Um, except, it's almost like accepting the fact that every single day, I got to get up and re-educate my world on what they could do. And someone's going to grab it. Yeah, I'm not going to talk them into it, but someone, it's going to hit them. It's going to be the right thing for them at the right time. And so that once I realized that, um, I think that's been a big help to my growth as a business person. That's cool. So it's like kind of like, hey, it's Groundhog's Day in some regards, <laughs> but just kind it of is. accepting that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. I, and I mean, it's a, it's a tiring thing. You know, I always joke, man, I'm tired. Uh, there's bunch of old realtors out there and you know nobody nobody in real estate school is like you're going to retire off this this business because i don't think any of them do and so um it's because of that it's a start over every day there's no residual and you you know you you make it when you can and it's it's high highs and low lows and so you know but accepting that and knowing that you have to do other things to diversify is pretty important yeah, that's cool. I like that you named the the high highs, the low lows, 
because I imagine like, you know, I'm in business development, kind of newer to the role as well. And it's just, yeah, there's just, there's lots going on. There's lots of things to, to filter, to react to and how to respond to appropriately and those types of things. So, um, yeah, I, what I've noticed has been just kind of people's longevity within these roles have been like, there's kind of this self-regulation that kind of happens with time, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, and I think that's just kind of a bit, a bit of what it is in a sense. So, yeah. So I, I thank you for naming that. I think that's really good. Yeah. The high, the highs are a lot more fun than the lows for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. You know, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch. We, uh, the real estate industry went through a huge growth. And you know this. I mean, everybody knows this, that real estate went crazy the last five years. And so everybody got the real estate license and everybody knew someone that wanted to buy something and or sell something. And so there's a re- huge reality check coming for a lot of us real estate people that had the great last couple of years. I mean, on fire. You can't make more money than there was to be made in real estate the last few years. But then this reality check we're about to come in. This this is going to be a low low for a lot of us, and hopefully not, you know, as low as some of us uh, have done. But I think, like I even me, I know that I'm, you know, there's there's going to have to be some serious work to make it as good as it has been, and uh, um, you know, but it's out there. Yeah, I think the yeah. lows are what drive a lot of us, though, knowing that that's coming or could be coming, and. You know, I don't want to go back to that. Yes. You know? Yeah. No, that that makes sense. So in that process, did any of the like the highs and the lows teach you anything about yourself? And you no know, kind of, you know, kind of taking it away from the business kind of mindset, like anything that taught you about yourself? And I think I've learned I didn't think I knew I don't think I knew that I was um this hard of a worker for some, you know, I knew that I was so grow in restaurants. I always come back to this <clears throat> and owning restaurants. I compare it all the time, but in restaurants, you have a duty you can do and be the best at. And I always was the best. I had no problem outworking everyone else. And I don't think I, I don't think I knew I could do it for myself. Um, I think that's, you know, something that's been interesting to me is that, it used to be I did it to move up the ladder or to get praise or to be the best. Like it was a competition, right? And I think I, I've learned about myself that I, I can do it for my own good. And those are my measurables instead of the gold star on the, you know, the staff schedule and stuff like that, that it can be for me. Um, one thing that I have, have had a hard time with is I'm a very everyone for everyone else first person. And it's just always been that. There's not a single self or a entitlement or I'm not, not greedy at all. I've learned though that uh, it's okay. Like initially I saw a lot of people around me that were very self-serving and that's how they got the big sales and they chased it the hardest. I learned it's okay to not be selfish and it's okay to share in business. And so that's, I'm okay in this role. I don't think it's, it's not, Nobody's jealous of a nice, okay, you can have that deal guy. And I, I don't give up deals. But I think I was intimidated by a lot of salespeople and a lot of successful people because it was all about them. 
And I think I've learned that it's I'm comfortable in my skin not being hardcore and ruthless and cutthroat in business. I, I've learned that, that it's okay to be just a nice, you know, pretty nice guy that is competitive and is going to work outwork you. you know, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it works out. Yeah. That's great. I love that. That's really, really good insight. I appreciate that. Now, like thinking about building a team, how do you go about finding some of your core team members uh, to work with you? Um, I, I'm a trust guy. Uh, I'm big on character for the people I work with. Even with my clients, I've, I've not worked with a lot of people that I don't trust. Or, you, or they do something and I stop calling them. Um, I don't want to be involved in bad stuff. So my big thing, character is number one. Um, I don't bring, uh, I don't have like right now, I don't, um, I don't have a team right now. And part of it is because, um, I have a real high expectation for myself and I don't want to, I don't want to have that for other people a lot of the time. So I don't want to hold them that accountable. And so sometimes, and this is probably the lazy side of me is it's easier for me just to work on my own. Just to, I'm just talking about my business. Work on my own and do my own thing than to have a team. And I'm probably not a great team player because of that. Um, I work alone. I've been alone for literally my whole real estate career. You know, I've had one time we had 10 agents and all that stuff, but it's always just my business. And so I'm probably not the best team guy. Um, but if I'm going to work with someone, I'm going to collaborate with somebody, it's got to be a good person, like someone I can trust. And they're out there. <laughs> That's good. That makes sense. Yeah. And I actually really like that you named your expectations for yourself and how that would affect others. You know, um, I, I can kind of relate to that as well. Like I have, you know, really high expectations of myself. But one of the things that I, that I internally caution myself is I don't want to, like you said, have those expectations put on somebody else. And so when I enter into those types of relationships, I wonder, you know, what is the best way to kind of regulate the relationship from a performance standard and kind of how that works out within a team setting. So But it, you're welcome. I, I don't take um I don't think I've really uh, paid much attention. So a guy was supposed to come work with me recently. He went to real estate school. Nicest guy in the world. I mean, this is the guy I would hire to be my realtor. Okay. I mean, trustworthy, wonderful person, but he about, I don't know, a year into his eight week uh, process, I realized this guy's not going to be the hustler. He's not going to grind it like I'm going to. And on day one, he's going to be behind. And there's going to, it's all of a sudden going to create conflict. And so I broke up with them before it became a problem. Like I said, you know what? This is not a good fit. And I would rather have that conversation as a team and maintain the relationship than get into a team scenario where we have problems. We had that. My best friend and I partnered up early in my real estate business. And we had to break up for my business to grow. And I'm glad we did, but that was hard. You know, it was a hard few years 
not being buddies. I mean, we're friends now, but um, so I think that's part of my team thing is that, or my lack of initiative with it is I want to be really, really good and I want to always work out. And so to avoid the bad, I probably avoid it altogether. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, completely. It's like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh-huh. I don't want to go there. So I'm going to prevent whatever to go there, you know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, but like, I, I work with groups. So, like, I, I work with other people's teams all the time and I love it. Right. I collaborate with them. I become one of them. And then I leave that group and I'm like, well, I don't want that. You know, I don't want that for myself. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's what it is. It's like, I don't want to commit. So I'll, I'll date them. A little bit, but man, I'm getting out of there before it gets too serious. So maybe that's what it is. Yep. Issue. Therapy will help. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> yeah, therapy's good. I like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's helpful for me. That's for sure. Um, that's cool. That's, that's really cool that, you know, just sharing that a bit. So, like, we've talked about this a bit and, you know, just curious to know if there's other things that have kind of come up. Like, what have you learned from your evolution as a founder? a CEO, you know, an entrepreneur, like kind of, we've talked about that process, but has there been any other things that you've learned along the way? Yeah. So I, I always, you know, we all have wild ideas and I always go back to basic stuff. Like I'd love to start a small plate Asian Mexican fusion restaurant. I just think it'd be awesome because those are foods I like, but I think so many business ideas are terrible. And so yeah. I think one of the things I've learned in business is I'm really good. And I miss the, I miss the giant tech world, right? I never could get into that because it's crazy, right? It's like <laughs> the Bitcoin to me. I don't understand it. It's insane. It's going to be huge for somebody that understands it. But I'm a very simple business person. I think product, services, people, that kind of stuff is through and through the greatest. Um, and so I've learned that about myself is that I, I'm not this uh, innovator. Maybe it's what it is. I'm not into the innovation and the emerging market stuff. I'm into true businesses that are proven. Uh, they are high risk, but they're not, I'm not reinventing the wheel. And that's kind of a nice thing. That's comfortable to me is I don't even hear about, you know, I, I was a part of a tech startup. We did this uh, shark, um, shark Tank event for the local high school, and I sponsored it because rah, rah, rah. And so I get these guys, and they came in second place, but they were brilliant. The one guy was the smartest kid I've ever met. He could sell, and he knew about coding, and he had this idea. And I said, I don't care what you're doing because I don't know what it is. I want to invest in you guys. And so, <laughs> you know, high school kids. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know what they did. I do know what they did, kind of. Or I know the words they used to describe what they did, but I don't know what it is. But I realized that's not for me. I'm chasing something I don't understand enough to sell it. And so I have no control over this situation. Um, and so I had to break up with them, and they could care less. They're probably, you know, doing laps around me at this point, selling whatever it is they created. But um, that was Communicode. And I learned a big lesson on that one. It was, um, it was fun working with those kids. I'd do that any day and I would invest in them any day. But, um, I've learned that there's a lot of stuff I don't understand and I don't want to learn it. 
for business. I, I like what I know and stick, stick, stay in my lane kind of thing. I think what you're, I mean, it's kind of like just kind of, um, there's a down to earthness to kind of your, your kind of like who you are as a founder, you know, in a sense, just kind of like, I mean, I think, I think in general, when you think of entrepreneurs or, you know, startup leaders, like the tendency that you can kind of like, quote unquote, think about is that like anything and everything, you know, and you just, everything, everybody's got rocket fuel, like it's just flowing from them. But I think what you're naming is actually really helpful. in the fact that like, no, I just, I know who I am. I know what my passions are, you know, where I want to give my time and energy, what makes sense to me, what doesn't make sense to me. And then kind of like, that's who I am. And that's what I want to represent. You know, like, I think that's good. I think it's really good. Well, and I think we've created a culture and I have a, um, uh, and a lot of the tech world, it created a culture of come up with an idea and make it solve a problem and you'll sell it for a billion bucks. And it's all about the exit and it's all about the uh, large cap big, you know? And I think we took away from, there's nothing wrong with um, creating a job, first of all, but then just creating a small business and sustaining it and it being just successful and being good and support a family. Um, I think we forgot about that. And a lot of that's tech driven and I fell for it. Um, And I love every tech idea, but think about the people we, worship now though you know for like our on social media you know the um gary v guy you know he's this huge tech guy you know the software he's created and online presence and elon musk and just the ones that are you know but very rarely do you hear about the attorney in indianapolis that's worth a billion bucks because he slowly bought real estate at the right price he leveraged it and he kept good tenants and maintained it really well you you know any of them? You hear about them in the IBJ? No. <laughs> but they're the ones I idolize. That's what I want. And yeah. I think we don't we we're not we don't encourage that. Maybe we don't understand it. It's not cool, but we don't encourage that just good, small, healthy business. And um that's 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 one thing I've avoided is the big stuff, that tech world. So that's cool. And just the value set, you know, just kind of like Here's my value set. It doesn't have to be what everybody else says it has to be, you know, or what's being highlighted more so, you know, that's cool. So what's been something that's a couple more questions and then I'll let you kind of connect with viewers as far as how they can connect with you, Kurt, and more about your business. Best, most rewarding thing that has come out of your evolution, would you say? Um, I have had the greatest 16 years with my family. Um, it is what I've been able to do. So when I first started, you know, broke, I, my car barely ran. So we were all, we were everything. My kids sat in the back of my car, went to showings. Um, I, I, uh, I figured out the greatest hybrid stay at home dad slash small business guy, um, local community person in the world. I'm, and so I don't think a lot of dads got to do that. Um, and it probably cost me money. That's fine. Whatever. It, I'm sure it cost me money. I wasn't as focused maybe as I should have been, but um, I've had a cool time with my kids so and my wife. But and um, um, that'll that's that's the biggest thing to me is I got a that's lot of amazing. value. Yeah, 
um, and my, my community. I've been able to uh, be as uh, passionate about my community as anybody can be. I think I, I kind of set myself up for criticism because I do have a business here and it revolves around values of real estate going up. And uh, But to be able to commit to Westfield, Indiana and just be a part of anything and everything uh, to me has been awesome. And, and so that that's fun to me. That's very cool. Yeah. Somebody told me um, probably about a month or two ago that um, busy is the new poverty or the new broke, you know? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, like it took me a second, but I was just like, uh-huh. there's some, there's some <laughs> truth to that. Like there is like, there's, there's a lot of truth to like, do I have the moments to the most critical moments to actually be attentive to my wife and kids and friends and family and all those types of things. And so, yeah, I, I do think like, that's a, I mean, what you've named is an incredible gift, you know, to spend that time and flex with your, with your family. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. And you know, there's, I think, I think um, going back, I wouldn't change that. I think, you know, like, it's probably the cause of losing some deals or my focus probably wasn't real good on my business, but why would you, to me, I got a lot of time and I'm glad that happened on accident. So everything with me is an accident. I'm glad that fell into my lap that my kids had to be with me. And um, <laughs> I'm going through a little phase right now where they, ha- they have their own lives. They're 16 and 14. Uh, they don't need me to drive them everywhere and they don't care about my lectures about business or, how I got ripped off by somebody anymore. So, <laughs> or they might care as much, which was zero, but they're not stuck there hearing it. So they, they can leave my lecture now. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. I've been told that the teenage years is like, they pretty much come out of the room like once a day, say like, <laughs> what's up? And then just yeah. go to somewhere mm-hmm. else or make, maybe make like a, you know, a disgusting face at you and then acknowledge your presence mm-hmm. or maybe not. And then they leave you alone for, so I'm, I'm prepping myself for those days. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. And I, I, I call my dad a lot on it and, you know, I was probably a pretty absent teenager. Um, not because I was, had awesome extracurricular activities, but I was just working and, you know, a goofball, but, um, it's a weird thing. And I pity, I would hate to not go through it. I would hate to not have to have the arguments with my kids or to have the weird one minute relationship. I'd hate to not have that. And, you know, so it's great. I love it. That's awesome. But, but I've learned that I'm not cool enough to be involved in any of those things. Uh, (laughs) Like, to say, hey, how about we watch a movie or how about we play a video game? So just wave and be their buddy. <laughs> That's great. Kurt, thank you so much for your time and uh, for being on the Savage to Sage podcast. If people wanted to get uh, in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, you know, anybody can. I'm all over social media. Everything's WKRPND. Um Message me. I'm always glad to help anyone that's doing something. If you're working on a project or you need someone to bounce something off of, I'm pretty direct, honest guy. So 
Um, you can call me 317-698-2700 if you want to call me. Very few people have their phone, their cell phone on 82 signs on the busiest roads in town. So I'm not afraid to put my number out there. Um, you know, you can email Kurt at WKRPNE.com, but follow my social stuff. I think, um, I've worked really hard at having a, a good social media presence and telling my story and sharing other people's stuff. And yeah. I love the engagement. And so everybody's welcome to jump on that stuff. Cool. Well, thanks so much for the time, Kurt. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.